We're on the air. Do I see? Fresh. Do What's I see? What's happening, everybody? <laughs> Thanks again for checking in uh, to another episode of the podcast. Yours truly here, uh, John Saxton, and I have a very special guest today. He has, uh, I don't know if we were ever roommates, but we were definitely... Life mates. Well, all right. <laughs> I, I was trying not to get weird. <laughs> I was going to say neighbors, but life... Neighbors mates. works, too. That's good, too. I mean, we've known each other for... I don't know if you realize this. I was thinking about this earlier today. We've known each other for almost two decades. I know. I can't remember exactly. I want to say it was 2003 or four. maybe? Uh, yeah. Right around yep. there. 2004. We're, we're getting close. Yeah. We're getting close. So we're... Old souls. And the viewers still have no idea who you're talking about. You haven't told them yet. Oh, okay. fair <laughs> enough. Fair enough. Oh, uh, that's Anthony Napolitan. You may, <laughs> may or may not have heard of him. Anyway, long time super pro, best all around good guy, uh, Anthony Napolitan. Uh, you may know him from YouTube. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> viral videos <laughs> such as fence sma nut smash number one uh, no, i'm just kidding anthony thank you very much for coming no on. thanks i'm stoked so uh i was trying I, I it's so funny i just get in these tangents where i just start talking i wasn't planning on talking about the fence the front <laughs> flip to fence plant butt sit <laughs> i wasn't i really wasn't and just for some reason my mind goes ahead of i guess maybe it's the opposite my my voice, what I'm saying, goes ahead of where my mind is at right now. Right, so I yeah. I just kind of try to just keep talking, whether or not it's making sense. So before I even thought of it, I already said the words. And I was like, well, it's too late now. Too late. No I, turning back now. They're out there. Cats out of the bag. Cats out <laughs> of the bag. So I know you did say uh, you didn't mind talking about it because I did ask you a little bit beforehand, literally moments ago. Yes. Uh, is... What's the deal? And for those people that uh, that aren't familiar, Anthony uh, had a video that went viral. He made a little web edit for, was it Colony that what the ep edit was for? Yeah. So at the time I was filming and it had been like a two year project at this point. And uh, I had filmed a ton of stuff for Colony that it was just going to be a web edit. It was just stuff that, you know, traveling around with Nathan Sykes and uh, riding the trails. And, you know, I hadn't put a put a web edit out and I don't know, since 2000 and 12 i think and it dropped in 2016 i that think it was right. yeah so i was i was definitely due for some web content uh so we started filming it it was supposed to originally be a welcome to colony edit but then two years went by but i was just kind of picky i didn't want to just throw together any kind of um edit you know so towards the ending towards the end of the filming process i was like all right it's uh we're going on two years here. I need to like get my butt in gear and kind of wrap this thing up. Kind of exactly. So I had a list of, of banger tricks that, that I wanted to do. And um, for as long as I could remember, I always wanted to front flip over that fence. Really? Yeah. So you've been staring at this for a while. Though. I have been. Yeah. I just never had a really good excuse to, to kind of do it in the colony edit was, was that excuse. So, uh, yeah. All right. So for those people that have been living under a rock and aren't <laughs> familiar with this is it on youtube what's what's the video that they can go through? um it's enough, it's pretty much everywhere. everywhere um but you can i i posted it on my youtube which doesn't have it probably has like 17 subscribers i'm not like a youtube person but Dang, you're all the way up to 17 17 right? man it's i'm so stoked but um basically i went through a process to license the clip because, oh, really? yeah, because I knew that, um, and this is the part that I love the most talking about the front foot clip because, um, there's so much crazy stuff that happens for people like us that ride BMX and skate and do whatever. Um, there's times that we get into these tricky situations and you put it online, it goes viral and you don't get anything out of it. Right. You barely get the recognition because right. it gets, it gets reposted so many times. Your name is gone from it. No one knows who this mystery man is on the fence or whatever. You know what I mean? So, um, basically I went through a process. It was a, a week or two week process of licensing the clip. And it's something that I've done before, but I knew like in that moment, like when I was in the air about to land on this fence, that it was going to be something crazy. So I just went ahead and did all that stuff. So when in the trick did you realize you were going to be fine? 
Or uh, was it like you were landed and then you realized? No. You, was there a it, moment where you're like, uh-oh, my, something happened? Yeah, my thought process was so far ahead of, I think, what was actually happening in real time. Okay. Um, as soon as I left the lip, I knew that it wasn't the what it wasn't the direction that I wanted to go. I felt like the front flip pop instead of the push through that I wanted. You went up as opposed uh, yeah, to yeah, forward. Yeah, yeah, as opposed to forward because – Basically, in my thought process, I was like, "All right, I'm gonna, I'm gonna get enough speed to to do this." And basically, I'm not gonna be. The fence is tall. The fence is like ten or eleven like, feet it tall. Really it's big. huge. So I was like, "All right, I'm not gonna be five feet above this fence. Like, there's, uh, you just can't generate that much speed in the in that bowl to to kind of get up there." So I figured I was gonna just basically like roll right over the top of the Skim fence. Over it. Yeah. And uh, as soon as I left the bowl, which was, I think that corner's six, a six-foot deep bowl. It looks at yeah. six or seven, yeah. Um, the deep end is like eight or nine, I think. So uh, when I left the lip, I got that funny pop where I knew I was going up. And I was like, oh, man. And as I'm like looking at the clouds, I, could, I know that the fence is kind of right underneath me. I, I just, I knew it. I don't know. I've done a million front flips. I feel like it's like a second nature. I have eyes in the back of my head. Your aware, aerial awareness, so to speak. Yes. The aerial awareness is right there. Um, but yeah, so as I came around, I found the fence, saw where it was. It's almost like, and I say this, I've done, I've done two podcasts up to this point now. And this is, I use the same, um, kind of term or way to describe it but i feel like time stood still for a moment as i locked eyes with with the fence and saw like where the gaps were and where my legs were it just it was just gonna work out it's yeah yeah, it was just gonna work out so in that that moment like we went back into normal speed of reality and then i was on the fence and i was like and I knew as soon as I landed on the fence, I was going to be crazy. So instead of saying, what the boop, yeah. I was like, what the heck? And like That's that, hard. everyone always is, they're always like, who says what the heck? Who the says, yeah, who Amazing. says what the heck? Um, but yeah, so, but it's funny. The, the fence stuff is, uh, I mean, obviously it went viral. It's a pretty, pretty crazy thing. Um, but it's, it's a blessing in one way. It's a curse in another, you know, it's a, it's a blessing that I, I didn't die on the fence or get seriously injured. I sent you a text immediately after I saw yeah. the clip and I said, I'm so happy that you're alive. <laughs> yeah. So it's, it's a good thing in that way. And, and I got like a, a bunch of recognition doing it obviously, but, right. but in this, in the, other aspect it's it's a curse because people forgot that i've done all this other great stuff that i've pulled successfully or like meddled in events or whatever honestly today i was riding the dirt jumps uh up on the hillside here at woodward and this kid was like yo man i heard you're i i heard you're the dude that did the front flip out of the cement bowl under the fence and i'm like what are you talking about and he was like yeah you you never seen that clip of the dude doing the front flip he landed on the fence and i was like no, that sounds crazy though. He's like, oh, I don't have my phone on me or else I'd show you. I was like, wow, I don't know. Yeah, I have no idea. It sounds nuts. He's like, that's not you. I'm like, nah. And like the my friends that were like by me like knew. But I seriously, I do that. People come to me because the, the fence skate park is right down the road from my house. Yeah. And um, I ride there a lot. I go there, with, have sessions with Chris Fox and Mike Hucker and a bunch of people all the time. And people will come up to me and ask me and I'll be like, no, but we know that dude, he's pretty wild, you know? And and then I'll just, and then I'll just drop in. And that's exactly what I did today. I was like, I was like, I don't know. That sounds really crazy. And then like just pedaled into the dirt jumps, fade off into the the sunset. (laughs) But yeah, I don't know. It's sometimes like I'm, I'm like, yeah, it was crazy. I don't know. I'm burnt out on it, I think. I'm sure. Well, yeah. I, this will be the last time I ask you about it in, well, in any podcast form. <laughs> Is it, you said you already did two podcasts. Did they ask you about it as well? Yeah. So uh, I'm literally rehashing yeah, old, old news. On, so let's yeah, right, well, right about a year ago, I did the rollback with Kyle Carlson. Okay. And that was like right, after, right, right when it dropped pretty much. Okay. I think it... I think it uh, I think that clip was set free into the wild around January, February. Beautiful. I think it was January. Beautiful. And then I did the podcast with Kyle. And then recently I did Chris Doyle's podcast. Nice. So we touched on it a little bit. 
I just found out the other day that Chris was doing a podcast. Yeah. Because I asked him to do a podcast out here last year when he was here for the Vans contest. Oh. And he's like, oh, yeah, I'd like to. Uh, I don't know if I have time. Little did I know that he was behind the scenes getting <laughs> so, whatever. Yeah. It's all good. I'll, I'll get him sooner or later. Yeah. All right. Well, let's move on. Since, since this is a common topic that p- people are plenty familiar with, hopefully. <laughs> uh, but... Who knows? Maybe we're reaching new uh, new followers, new listeners that aren't familiar with the clips. So it's always nice to get your your uh, your clips out there a little bit more, especially if you've already monetized them. That makes right. a little bit extra yeah. excitement for you. And and I've uh, you know since I've done and what's funny is because I've talked about this uh, this will be the third time for a podcast thing. Um, I've had other pro guys hit me up and they're like, "Yo, how do you do it?" You know, they want they want to know. That's I perfect. like Brian Kaczynski hit me up. A couple was it other dudes. Or, I mean, it was just no. It's it's a it's process. a really it's a really easy process. Um, it's super simple. Like you can literally Google like uh, licensing video clips, and like probably ten different companies will pop up. Really? Yeah. So, so how does it work? You send them the clip. Yeah. They yeah. They basically it. their website. You you know go to it, create a profile, and then you submit your video clip. And then someone gets back to you. And that's it. It's super simple. Does it cost money to do that? I'd have to assume it does. Um, the only, so I do like a 60 40 deal. Oh, so they do get a percentage. Yes. Yeah, but they're going to put it in places that I'll never be able to get it, you know? Oh, there you yeah. go. That's how you do it. Not only that, you make money off of it. There so it's go. great. Done pretty well with my clip. Being able to get the word out on podcast forums like this, because people listen to podcasts like, like crazy you know so absolutely it's good people hit me up now and they're like how do you do it? and i always just refer them to the place that i went to so very cool. it's great and now people can listen to this podcast and find out exactly exactly how to do it and not even have to go to this thing what did you say it was called google what was that what's that oh thing? google yeah yeah google new, yeah you could you could yeah google I'll google you, i'll you who it you who it yeah <laughs> i'll have some of my more computer savvy friends uh tell me and show me how to do that there you go well anthony you've been one of the one of the big names in BMX for a long time now. I you at one point you were the young gun. You were the baby. Honestly, I was. You were. Like, they called me the Cinderella story. The Cinder- <laughs> I love that already. Because you lost your glass slipper while three whipping a spine. Yeah, something like, something like that. Yeah. All right, well, that sounds about right. Well, that's that's a beautiful story. I know I know the original story. I'd love to hear your story. I, I assume there's there's a lot less dresses and mice making dresses for you. Probably. Uh, so back in the day. I guess let's just kind of start from the beginning and then we can kind of fast forward a couple times yep. to where we're at now. So I know when I first became familiar with you is one of those, I don't know if it was a system video or maybe a fly video or, or something back in, maybe some more prop <clears throat> yeah. videos. But I remember, and I think right after that clip, I actually met you at one of those contests, way, uh, like a Dirty East contest or yeah. something like that. I can't remember exactly what it was out in. It's that Ohio. time frame though. Yeah, that, that totally early frame. 2000s. So I guess bring me to, to where... I mean, obviously, your local spot, your, lo- your local spot, your local skate park, I know, is Section Eight. Yep. In, uh, Youngstown, Youngstown, Ohio. Ohio yeah. Which I'd been to a couple times, but I don't remember crossing paths with you there. But and, and maybe we did, and I just didn't put the pieces together. But I know that was your skate park, and that skate park was famous for being gnarly. Just <laughs> yeah. Bigger, bigger ramps than anyone had seen. So Nate, obvious Nate Wessel, obviously is on the forefront of building the next generation's ramps. So yeah. back in the day when he was starting to get his name going, it was because people were riding skate parks that they'd never seen a ramp like that or a structure or a obstacle like that. And Nate is, his mind just makes these incredible features yeah. and obstacles that, that people it makes you think a little bit more. So not <laughs> ramp building, kind, like his ramp building really did bring the next gen, like most definitely form riding to where it's at. Yeah. Skating and all that stuff. And that's probably kind of what attributed to your level of skill. And yeah. Ability because you for forced your home skate park was one of the bigger ones. So it kind of forced you to. Yeah, most definitely. I, uh, I, give a lot of credit to my upbringing in BMX to section eight skate park. Uh, one, because the first time I went there, it was like the biggest thing I had ever seen in my life. Like we were like cranking as hard as we could just to fly out to like get up to up the box, you know? Yeah, exactly. Um, so it was just like, you had to push yourself to, to progress and be able to do the stuff that the older guys are doing, you know? Um, 
but yeah, it was it was a crazy times for sure. Uh, we didn't have foam pits and resis uh, accessible to us back then. So in the skate park floor was like the poorest, most gnarliest uh, asphalt that a skate park could ever be built on. It was the roughest sandpaper floor. Yeah. If you have. fell, you were losing a lot. <laughs> you were losing weight. You were losing if you, weight. If you fell, you were losing Literally weight. people uh, credit it as a cheese grater. It so, absolutely was. Um, again, though, it made you a smooth rider, a calculated dial rider that didn't want to fall and hit that asphalt because only bad things would come of it. It's crazy what just something as simple as the floor being so rough kind of does help transform your riding into being more calculated. Right. Like you said, you just said that. And I was like, oh, wow, I never would have even attributed something as simple as that. But it really is the simple little things that you kind of overlook when you're riding that really do turn you into the rider that you are or will become or were or whatever. Totally. Whatever yeah. The cases It's just the simplest things that you might completely overlook. Yeah. Are really transforming. You. Yeah. And I think B- I think BMX back then used to be a way more, um, heavy set mind game too. So like, like I said, there's no foam pits or resis. Like if you've never done a backflip before, like at least with a foam pit, you're like, all right, I'm going to give it a shot. And then you feel it out. You land on your head, you feel it out. You've kind of figure it out. Right. But when you go into learning something like that, a 360, a backflip, anything without a foam or a resi, there's going to be consequences and yeah. there's double consequences. If you land on that asphalt. Absolutely. So you have to really, really think about it. You got to drill it into your head. You have to visualize everything over and over and over for weeks and weeks, you know, and then, and then you have to build up the, uh, the nerve to try it, you know? Absolutely. So that was like the environment that I grew up in was, you know, you you just had to send it once you fi- once you could have it dialed in your head, then you just send it. Right. And yeah. I feel to a certain extent, not not saying you're that kind of rider to where you're like over calculating like a lot of riders that we know right. do, where they just sit there and they kind of go over the motions in in a dark corner and they'll be like, oh, so they they, they you can see them doing the tricks off their bike just pretending to do and it's. I can see not to that level, but I can see right. that you are a pretty calculated rider when it comes to. I try to anything. be even even when I lived at Woodward for many many years. And sorry if I'm jumping ahead a little bit, but um, having the foam and resi and stuff, I was still that same calculated person because, I mean, you had probably seen it over and over. Like, oh yeah, like Anthony does three sixty triple whips on lock, and he can do them on the foam. He can do them on the resi, but. Yeah, but I, I saw won't how take them. Yeah, but I won't take them. I'll do that for two years, and then I won't take them do a dirt jump until later. Until uh, wait. Yeah, exactly. Hundred like percent with it. Yeah, exactly. You know, a lot of that is not just necessarily you, because I see Jamie doing that kind of having totally. that mindset and aspect as well. Because I see him doing tricks on the, not necessarily foam, even on the resi. I've seen him do stuff on the resi, <laughs> especially in the foam, but definitely on the resi yeah i've never seen him do them yeah in real life. or anyone or ever anyone <laughs> has seen him do any of those tricks ever because he just i don't know if they're that's just like his progression just he wants to have them unlocked so whenever he needs to let them out of the bag like yep. in that contest that comes up he just he'll have a, a deep bag full of tricks that no one has even an idea that he's capable of exactly that's kind of what you're saying as well yeah totally just Maybe just to be ready for when you need it, but also just to kind of step up your game yeah. without as many consequences using yep. the foam pit. So you can kind of, when you need it, it's it's kind of there, even tucked away. Even though it's never been unleashed on a real jump <laughs> or a ramp or whatever, you, you have it ready to go. Yep, exactly. And that's pretty cool. There's a lot to be said about that as opposed to back in the day when the foam pits and resis first came out. A lot of guys like Miron and and some of those dudes, they were just hating on it. Yeah, they didn't see that side of it. Yeah, because they put the time in. Right. Yeah, and then they then they then they figured it out eventually though. But yeah, I mean those guys, that original, (laughs) that that original crew, the OGs of BMX and action sports, they did put the time in without the resis. Right. Yeah, and they still were monsters enough to where they're able to still be riding or alive somehow but i think it's just it extends your the your your life in action sports it allows right. you to ride long totally whereas a lot of those guys that they were animals because they didn't have the the safety net of the resi and yep and foam pit and stuff like and that yeah they, they kind of had to not necessarily call it quits there are a couple that are still out there just 
plugging along. Yeah. But I mean, I just feel it, it definitely helps extend your, your life. Yeah. In action sports and, especially. Yeah. And trust me, there's, there's a whole total like part two of my BMX life. Like once I moved out here that totally involved foam and resi for a long Absolutely. time, you know, Absolutely. but I mean, the, but the original, yeah, but the original mindset of where I came from, it just kept following me the whole way through that. I, it just kind of multiplied. Yeah, absolutely. No, I, I love it. I, I, I and I <laughs> saw a lot of it cause I, I knew where you came from and I saw you here and I just saw those tricks that you already had just kind of exploding onto bigger and better things. Right. And yeah. Like that. So yeah. it's definitely pretty cool being able to at least be in the background, a background baby to... I'm pretty yeah. sure you were on the resi with me. <laughs> I probably was. I was probably just up there making jokes and cracking wise the whole time if, I'd have, if I remember right. But you and Daniel, I remember just being up there nonstop. Oh, yeah. You guys were a lot more dedicated Dude. than I was. If there was a, a free bowl of ice cream, I was gone. Yeah. You guys were hey, guys, ice cream social. Yeah, I'm, I'm out. out. <laughs> and you guys would just be up there all day, every day, forever. And I just like... A dog with a fluffy tail will distract me and I'm out. It's just like it doesn't take much. But I guess that's just where I level of, of dedication. But you guys just had a different drive yeah. than I did. My and, drive was different. And Daniel and I had a had a regiment too. We were kind of we were kind of the same story. Like oh, I, we, I we were we were both kind of like uh, went from something or went from nothing to something, you know. Yeah. I think that's where the Cinderella Cinderella, uh, Cinderella Cinderella story came from. Because in in 2005, the first inaugural year of the Dew Tour, yeah. uh, I was just fit last dead last place. Right. And then in 2006, I came back, won the whole tour. And Daniel did something very similar that I can't remember if Daniel competed in 05, but he came out of nowhere. And he's from Caracas, Venezuela, which isn't the most awesome place to be from. No, we had, we had him on here uh, last year. Sick. He told his story. Yeah. I tried to get as much of his story out of him as he could. And he's, I've always talked to Dan about going there to see it in, for real, for real in, in person. Uh, but yeah, his story is pretty impressive. I mean, same, similar yeah, to yours, but just. But not in Venezuela. <laughs> I mean, don't get me wrong. Youngstown, Ohio is rough. It is. But, but, it's but no Caracas, not Caracas. Venezuela. Yeah. So, uh, but yeah, so sorry to interrupt. No, no, but yeah, we had it. We had a regiment, man. We'd like, there's a lot of hours of Guitar Hero played and then riding like foam and resi nonstop three times a day. (laughs) If if the BMX, you guys far seceded me. You guys were light years ahead. I might as well have seen stars shooting by like the Star Wars opening scene, but I, uh, but at least I was able to hang with Guitar Hero. So that's got to say something. It's true. That's got to say something. You were, you were you were with us. You were there. <laughs> was, you lived it. I was there, like it or not, capturing <laughs> it, making jokes. All right, at least I was making jokes, making you guys laugh throughout the whole. It's true. All right, so I got so I, I was a small part of it. That makes me feel good about myself. Uh, so okay, so after after Woodward, because I know I know most of your Woodward story. I know a lot of people don't, but yep. Other, we'll just say we'll break it down to foam pits and resis. All right, next. Yeah. Time. So <laughs> so. Tell Tell me about that, though. All right, let's just kind of move forward a little bit, but tell me about going from moving here to Woodward to winning all the du- every Dew Tour stop and getting the Dew Cup. So, I mean, just for, again, because yeah. it was a little while ago for people that aren't aware. Yeah, totally. The Dew, the Dew Tour was a contest put on my Mountain Dew. There were lots of sponsors. Yep. It was one of the biggest, of, it was the biggest event outside of X Games uh, for, I don't even remember the years. I want to say it was over. Four to oh five, oh five to. I mean, they still do skate events currently. Oh, do that. Um, but I can't remember last time BMX. Well, BMX was in there until at least two thousand thirteen or fourteen. Okay, so I think it. I think it went to fourteen, and then they and then they cut it. Wow. So nine years of being the biggest event outside. Yeah, of or it might have been till fifteen. I feel like they did ten years. All right, stop. Anyways, stop correcting me. We'll sorry, say ten years. Sorry, I just want to give accurate facts. I'm glad. I'm glad because I don't care about facts. I know. I know. <laughs> <laughs> but so, all right, ten years of the biggest contest yeah. outside of X <laughs> and I mean, obviously, it was at the beginning stage, but uh, but you moved here. How long from when you moved here to when you won that? Because they there was roughly five events throughout the year, and then the one finals, if I'm not mistaken, yeah. something like yeah. that. I can't remember exactly. So I I wasn't able to consistently start coming out to Woodward until I was 18. So um, I graduated high school in 2004 and I was able to kind of come out here more. Yeah. And then I saw I was coming out during the winter time when camp wasn't in session. I had actually never been 
um, to Woodward in the summer until like the summer of 2004. Okay. So I was coming through the winter a little bit and then, um, I got in, came out as like a, like visiting pro. Like I rode for fly bikes and system cycle and I, maybe even Maxis back then too. Pretty sure you did. Um, but yeah, I was able to come out for like a couple of weeks and like, Duffs. yeah, uh, not Duff's not just yet, but it, it was okay. soon. It was coming in 2005, I think. Yeah. Um, so, <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I was able to just come out here and made friends with all you guys, Andy Alvarez, Jr. Chris O'Connell, the all the all the OG guys that we grew Victor. up loving. Love, yeah. Love Victor. Yep. All the all the dudes. And uh yeah, so it kind of started as that. And then they did um prior to that I had competed in um a couple pro contests and the only really big one that I did was the Vans Triple Crown in Cleveland. And uh that was kind of the only big contest experience I ever had. So when we all heard about the do tour and all this stuff, we were like, yeah, we're going to, we're going to do, we're going to sign up. We're going to go. We had no idea like really what we were getting into. And then when you show, yeah. And then when you show up, you're like, whoa, this is like insane. This is high production. Like there's Dave Mira. That park course is huge. These dirt jumps are massive. Like it was like the real thing, you know? So that was, that was kind of my introduction in 2005 to like big contest stuff. And, uh, and I had been coming here a little bit, so I had a good amount of tricks based off living in Youngstown and riding Section 8 and that, and starting to dabble into foam pits and resis a little bit. So you had the flow from, from Youngstown and, and yeah. dirt jumps and stuff out yep. by you, and then you were starting to get the tricks from here, so being able to combine those two yeah, exactly. really set you up. Yeah, and, and back then, like I think all the base tricks that I had were still pretty big. I could, I could do 360 tail whips and turndowns and... 360 combinations and stuff like that and uh not not really too many flip tricks i could flip but i wasn't really flipping too much because i I wasn't comfortable at that time that was still pretty pretty exciting stuff it was yeah and and at that time too um that's when front flip started coming into like uh like a different turn of their evolution yeah, you know yeah, what i mean absolutely um so i was able to do those as well so when i went to do tour i was like oh if there's a jump i'm gonna like try a front flip on it so it ended up being like the second stop in uh in denver colorado and i was i was like put a good run in the first round i was like all right second round I'm doing a front flip and i was doing them a lot like on everything anything i could find i was doing front flips on i had them pretty dialed and did my run last jump went for the front flip no love oh, just like gosh. missed the pop did like three quarters and had to bail and like kind of run out of it you oh, know no. and i was like oh that was that was my mom's spaghetti moment you know <laughs> <laughs> and uh and i blew it and then but i ended up um I reference by the way yeah i know i, I put that in there for I'm you glad. um but and i'll rewind a little bit too they they were doing cfb contests that year too um, so I rode for Hoffman bikes at the time and Hoffman bikes was co-sponsored by right garden target and, uh, target was a big sponsor out here at Woodward camp at the time. Right. Um, so the team manager, her name's Kathy McGrath. She worked for uh, target and she head up the whole action sports division. And she basically made me an offer that I really couldn't refuse to come out here and stay for the whole summer of 2005, be a target rep. And you know what that's like because you did some you did some Red Bull representation. Yeah, exactly. It was awesome. Yeah, so uh, I was basically just doing the same thing you were doing, riding, having fun with the campers, whatever, passing out Target gift cards for swag and stuff. Oh, I I still thank you. Yes, you're. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But yeah, I was able to just have these camp elements at my disposal, and we were watching the whole 2005 Dew Tour season unravel. And I don't know, I just hit this motivation and I just, it wasn't that I was like really planning to dominate do tour the next year, but like, I don't know. I just went on this trick learning progression rampage. You just wanted to be as ready as possible. Yeah. I, I mean, I was just, I mean, I was having so much fun too. Like, let's not forget that. That's like part of the whole reason why, like I've always had fun progressing and doing tricks. That was always kind of been my thing. So, but to be able to do it here and then like, kind of unknowingly like showcase. know that I was going to showcase it later in yeah. life, you know? Right. Um, 
but yeah, so fast forward to 06 from that, you know, being at Woodward all summer, winter long. And I, and I ended up uh, moving into camp full time. Yeah. So our guitar hero sessions. Yes. Went off the chart. Exactly. So we were, you know, riding a ton during the winter and then contest season comes around and lo and behold, I took the first place at due tour in Louisville, Kentucky on Dude. dirt. <laughs> so awesome. I can't, I can't tell you how loud I was screaming when I was watching that on TV. It was just an unbelievable moment. I couldn't, I couldn't even, I was just stoked to make the finals. I think I, I'm, I qualified seventh into the finals and I put in a run and I think I was in eighth like after my first run because back then it was two runs best run count and I was like dude I'm so stoked like I made it to do tour finals uh I'm I'm in eighth place and there's like 12 dudes I'm like I'm not last like I'm I'm like all right I'm this run like I'm gonna put it out there and at the time I had been just like hitting three triple or three double whips on the on the resi yeah um, so I was like, I'm going to three double whip that last jump. Like I'm doing it. So I rolled in, did my run. It was like front flip, no hander. I think there were three jumps, front flip, no hander. I did like a tail whip or something and then three double whip. Boom. And then I was like, heck yeah, that'll be, I'll probably bump up a couple places at least. And then boom, first, first place. Spot. And I was like, what? And I ended up being tied with Luke Parslow for really? first place. And the tiebreaker was he fell in his first run. So I had the higher second score. So I won. Yeah. Real quick before I get to the what's going through your head question. How long before the end of the contest did you see yourself in first place? So you, you did your run. But what place? Like how many riders went after you? So right. How long, how long were, were you just sitting on that? Just well, there were, like, there were, there were, guys tw- fall. there were 12 riders and I qualified seventh. So I'm terrible at simple So you're math. probably around, there was probably like five. But yeah, there, past well, there were, there were seven riders, seven riders that I had to wait, wait it out. Wow. And we're talking like the second, third, first place qualifiers yeah. that still had to go, you know? Wow. And, uh, and I believe Parslow qualified pretty, pretty high as well. So I had to watch his run go and his run ended up being the same score as mine. Wow. But then, it, yeah, then the tiebreaker. But yeah, it was, I mean, it was, at at the same time, it was like crazy and my heart was beating and I like, and like, I guess a part of me wanted to win, but I'm a realist and especially when I was that young, like a oh, super realist. So like, I was like, all right, in all reality, these dudes are incredible riders. Like I'm just this new guy. Someone's going to up this run and beat me, which yeah. is fine because like I still, I I was in eighth and I was happy and now I'm in first and wherever I end up from there, I'm going to be happy regardless, you know? Um, but it just kept going. It just kept going, going, going. And then it was the end of the contest and like, and And I had won. Yeah. And I was just like, Whoa, this is insane. Yeah. It was crazy. We have an audience by the way. (laughs) Kelsey Reem is our biggest, is your biggest fan. Kelsey Reem Napolitan, Kelsey Reem Napolitan, who is married to my younger brother. <laughs> younger brother, Ron. Your younger, bigger brother. Ron. My younger, bigger brother. Oh, gosh. Big little brother. Well, how awesome was that? All right. Since it just came up kind of organic, how, <laughs> how awesome was that? Being able to have a brother that you ride with all the time that kind of you were able to push each other. Because, I mean, he's made a name for himself in the sport as well. Like, he's doing his thing yeah. as well. So how awesome was that for you guys to more or less kind of start and still be doing what you're doing. Yeah, it was, I mean, it was, it was super cool. Um, he didn't start really riding a lot or like really getting into and find that passion for it until after I had already moved to Woodward. Oh, is that right? Yeah. Uh, he rode, but not like how I rode every day. Okay. And, uh, and then once I moved to Woodward, I don't know what it was, but he just picked his bike up and started riding more and more. And he was, uh, sending me video clips on the phone of, of him do, learning new stuff and doing, and I'm like, whoa, this is crazy. That's awesome. So I believe in 2005, um, I had him and my mom drive out and he got to ride Woodward for the day and he was just pumped. And I think the next year he w- became a dish dog yep. and he just really got into it then. I remember somehow it was like, I saw him one day Yeah, he was all right, just okay, just cruising around. And then I saw him not long after, and I was like, is that the same dude? Yeah. Like, is that 
how is that possible? He just got that much better that quick. Yeah. But it's pretty, but I'm sure having a brother like you to look up to kind of helps push you a little bit. Yeah. And, least. and I think for a while we kind of rode pretty similar too. Um, just, we came from the same place, you know? Um, and then eventually like, so I still, even though I rode for Hoffman, I still rode for system cycle as well in Maxis. So I was able to like get him onto like the flow team for different stuff. Sorry. And then, uh, and then a company called mankind who was distributed through system cycle, they hit up Ronnie and they were like, we want you to ride for us, you know? And I was like, dude, this is crazy. Like Ronnie got his own bike sponsor, like on his own terms. Like, and then that's where we started to not really part ways, but that's where our, his, our riding changed from one another. Yeah. And he started doing his own thing with his own sponsors. And I was doing my own thing. My, and it just kind of worked out. It was, very it cool. was awesome. That is very cool. Yeah. That's it's awesome. been sick watching all that even still to today, you know, we're kind of like flipped roles right now with the mountain bike stuff. Like, he was super heavy into mountain bikes for a long time. Right. And and now I'm like beginning to get super Great heavy. That side of things. Yeah, exactly. Now I'm like, you know, buying crazy mountain bikes oh, and I like saw you. you got it pretty awesome. Yeah, and and uh asking Ronnie what to do. Yeah. Get out there one of these days. I know. Shred it up. Shred the nor up in Rothrock Mountains. That's cool. Well, all right. So I guess uh where are you at now? What's going on in your world, in Anthony's world now? Where are you at? I see you riding the trails and kind of dialing your, your sets at home out in California. Yep. Um, so a lot of time has passed. Uh, I mean, you're still competing. You're still kind of doing your thing, just living the dream, more or less. Yep. Uh, where, what's your typical day-to-day, I guess? Um, well, I've lived in California for seven years now, over seven years. Um, so that was pretty cool. I just one day I decided I didn't want to live in central PA anymore. So, (laughs) um, and at the time too, I was like, I was juggling the idea. I was like, okay, am I going to regret not doing certain things, you know? So, so I packed up, moved myself out to Southern California and, uh, yeah, it's been good. I have like an awesome group of friends and we all ride the trails and keep those going um got married so my wife works at fox racing she's been there for like 12 years wow so she uh she's a boss she just kicks butt there Heck yeah this is a pg-13 podcast <laughs> we have we have beat buttons somewhere sick we have those buttons that go boo. um but yeah it's i mean bmx i've just been i guess i've just been adapting with whatever bmx throws at me um it's changed so much over the last seven years, you know, um, I've gained sponsors. I've lost sponsors. Um, my riding style has changed a lot since I've moved to California in, in, in a good way. I think I feel a little bit more well-rounded, not in the sense that I'm like riding a ton of street or anything like that, but, um, you know, I'm riding more dirt than I ever have. Uh, we have limitless and endless, uh, cement bowl options to ride. So, and, and I've been able to diverse myself a little bit more too. Like when I first, uh, moved there, like I was surfing pretty heavy for the first four years or whatever. And I still surf like when I can, it's just tough with traveling and stuff. And it's not like a skate park that you can just go, you know, sometimes, dude, sometimes I'm at home for two weeks and the ocean's dead flat and you're like, well, I guess I'm not surfing this week (laughs) or next week. Um, but yeah. And then, and then especially with mountain biking, there's like, an endless trail system where I live and outside of that endless trail system are like More 15 trails. other endless ones. So it's like, yeah, I can, awesome. yeah, I can, if I don't want to ride BMX, I can really keep my not a self-occupied, I, I guess. I feel uh, lit in your later years. And I'm speaking from experience myself that my passion for BMX never went away, but uh, it you gain more went, passions. Yeah, I, <laughs> yeah. To, to say the least. Like you kind of just let other passions come into play. Right. They don't conflict, but you just try to do them all as right as you can. Yeah, yeah. And you kind of being a realist as an adult, you just realize I might not have time for all of them, and you kind of set your priorities. And I like, yep. well, if I can't do this one, I'm okay doing this one. And yeah. Just kind of go back and forth yeah. there. So I feel that you just kind of broaden your horizons as a as an adult. Yeah. I feel there's there's nothing wrong with that, and that is being an adult. So, yeah. I mean, it is what it is. So. And and BMX is still really great. That's still how I. Uh, 
how I live my life. You know, yeah. that's how I pay the bills still. So I'm, if there's not very many, I mean, there's more dirt events uh, around now than there was a couple of years ago. We've got like the Toyota triple challenge. So there's usually like two or three of those in a year, right, right. at the beginning of the year. Um, but I do a lot of world traveling to go everywhere to ride dirt to compete. And I just got back from France and I go to Argentina and I was in Brazil last year for an event, uh, England. There's, there's dirt events out there. You just got to put the air miles ready in. To, uh, yeah. To yeah, exactly. So I do that. And, uh, and I've been doing a lot more shows too, oh, yeah? which has been cool. Very cool. Um, I was doing shows, uh, for ASA. They do like an anti-bullying high school tour. Awesome. So I haven't gotten to do any of those this year just yet but uh sometimes around the fall like they hit me up because they'll have like a southern california tour going on so hopefully i get a c- another call for that but um i've been managing one of micah cran's uh show tours right now it's a new one that he just put on it's like this mini mega ramp basically it's a awesome. big roll-in that's like a transformer it's literally the trailer transforms into a 30 foot tall rolling. It's insane. That's so great. And then, uh, you've got a big, tall, uh, mellow metal ramp and do an airbag. And it's awesome. We oh, lay awesome. resis over the airbag and it's like pretty sweet. That's so much fun. Yeah. It's a lot of work to, to, uh, stand up and take down. Yeah. Uh, but it's, it's awesome. I bet it is. So that's cool. Yeah. That's I've been, awesome, I've been manning that and, uh, kind of helping with that. And now, yeah. We've got, oh, actually, we've got Woodward Park City coming up. Woodward so Park that's City. a big, uh, that's going to put a big dent into my schedule this year for. Because you are transitioning into a ramp builder. I am. Going back a little bit. Earlier yeah. Changing the, the game with the ramps. Yeah. You're kind of going that route. Yeah. Two years ago, um, well, over two years ago, I uh, told Nate, I said, hey, man, any any build jobs that come up, like, I, I, I'd like to come out and give it a whack and see if it's something that I want to do. You know, he was like, cool, man, I'll keep you in mind. And then, uh, Woodward Riviera Maya popped up. So I went out there for two months and not a bad one to get started. Yeah. Right. I, it's just like my first time ever flying on a plane. Ryan Barrett got me upgraded into first class and now it's just the worst every time from here. <laughs> no, but yeah, exactly. Resort, resort life for two months. Terrible. Yeah. But um, no, it was a really, it was a really great experience. Uh, definitely a lot of hard work. It's not like eye opening because yeah. people really don't realize how much work goes into building ramps. And yeah, things like that. People, and I get that a lot when I travel, and people are like, oh yeah, we'll help you build ramps. We'll help you build a skate park. And then after the first or second day, they're like, I can't. I'm done. It. I didn't realize that. Yeah. It was this much. I was like. This is construction, man. It's, yeah, yeah, it's not, yeah. It's not easy peasy. Yeah, so. and and my my dad was a carpenter too, so I feel like I have just a little bit of skill based off that. Oh, I mean, sure. when Watch I was it. watching your pops do stuff, do stuff when you're little, like it kind yeah, of to a certain extent. <laughs> yeah, I, exactly. I anyway, so. Yeah, so but uh, yeah, it's and it's always been something that I've done over time too. Like when when I was a kid, right down the road from Section A, we had a sick backyard set up from ramps and uh yeah and it was awesome dude like like the mcneil team used to come when they would come on on the mcneil tour trying to think of like the i'm sure i've seen it in videos it's it's in it was in my buddy will's backyard and you've probably seen it in videos um because it was in i want i can't remember if it was in props if it wasn't in props it was in like standpoint it was in like a couple other ones um but it was pretty sick it had like a big 20 foot wide, eight foot tall quarter, 10 feet of it was like the eight foot, foot quarter. 20 foot wide, eight foot tall quarter yeah. in the backyard? Yeah. Oh my and God. half of it was the eight foot quarter. The other half was a five foot sub box, like a five oh. foot quarter to a sub. Yeah, yeah. And then we had a five foot tall street spine that was pretty steep because we were used to those steep spines from section eight. Um, we had like a massive, there was like a five foot it was either a five or a six foot tall quarter that went into a curve wall and then the curve wall turned into a vert wall. So it was like that. And the vert wall was 13 feet tall, I think. So we had like a crazy setup that was perfect. And like the FBM dudes used to come, like the McNeil team would roll through on tour and ride it. Like in any pros that, and you know how section A was a lot of pros always went there. Like there was always an off 
hour in between like the morning session and the night session. Right. So in that off hour, we would just go up the road and ride the ramp. Ride the ramp. Yeah. Yeah. So cool. I've got some, a little bit of experience in ramp building, but it was awesome to get back out there and uh, learn the new stuff and sawdust. yeah, make some sawdust. And uh, yeah, I mean, it was, it was fun. You know, you're just there with other BMX riders and skateboarders like doing, I don't know, building ramps, making memories. It's all fun. That's kind of the way I always resort to yeah. it. It's just like, I might not be riding for a living, but I'm still kind of involved totally. doing what I grew up loving. So yeah. I mean, even if it's behind the scenes type thing, then so be it. I'm still building ramps. I mean, <laughs> and at lunch, I get to test out the ramps. And then at the end of the day, I get to test out the ramps. Exactly. So a nice little perk. But, yeah. Uh, but yeah, I mean, it's just kind of... It's it's not bad being able to say this is what I do for a living. Yeah, so exactly. It's pretty neat. So. Yeah. Um, well, cool, man. I think we covered a lot of ground. Is there anything else that you'd like to talk about? Is there anything else you'd like to bring up? I mean, anything going on that you'd really like to touch on? And if not, that's all good. But um, you know what? I'm. Uh, well, I'd like to thank Woodward for always having me out here. Absolutely. So that's good. Um, I've been coming out here for a very long time after i mean i try and make it out at least once a year during summer camp since i've moved away from camp um so thanks for always having me out here it's always fun i try and bring in a bunch of product and uh throw a little contest for the kids and kind of stoke the kids out with whatever kind of stuff i can bring in so i think they get pretty pumped and it's cool coming back even i think this week it's you know it's the second week of camp so it's not super crowded just yet but I've already seen like a handful of kids that remember me from years past. And I'm like, whoa, like awesome. earlier today, like I was like, saw this one kid. I was like, hey, man, like I saw him trying to learn truck drivers onto the resi. And I was like, yo, dude, didn't Van Homan teach you bar spins last year? And he's like, yeah. And I was like, all right, we're going to film a clip of you doing a truck driver when you figure it out. So earlier today, this was yesterday, earlier today, he f did a truck driver right out here at Outdoor Street. He flew out like out of the quarter onto the deck, truck driver. Isn't it so awesome yeah, so I filmed it, and I'm gonna send it to Van when I get, have better service. I taught a kid to drop in on a ramp literally five minutes before you rolled in. I taught him to drop in on that quarter pipe right That's there. That's awesome. And then I filmed him and I put it on my screen. That's sick. And I was like, dude, this is so great. I love it. Yeah. Like, how old that I'm still teaching kids how to ride. Exactly. Bikes. And so in awesome. yesterday, like I was teaching this kid how to do X ups, and then this other kid wanted to learn. Oh, what was it? Oh, 180s. He wanted to learn 180s. Awesome. And, uh, it, but it's funny too, because like some of these kids actually do need a lot of help trying to figure this stuff out. Because the kid that wanted to learn 180s, like, I was like, okay, like, he's like, I'm going to, I'll try one in the foam. And I'm like, all right. That's not really how it works. I know, right? but I was like, okay, let me, let me see it, you know? Yeah. And like, dude, he went up the lip and like his bike stayed on the lip, but his body went into the foam pit. And I was like, have you ever, like, just flown out onto the deck of a box jump and he's like no not really and i'm like that helps dude okay let's <laughs> let's re let's rewind it here yeah let's let's rewind it so it's like for 10 minutes i had him just doing fly outs onto the onto the deck i'm like okay i want you to do a 90 and i showed him like fly out of the the box jump take off and land 90 yeah. and he was like i should try it in the foam i'm like no you don't you don't need the foam to learn this you definitely don't need the foam He's like, you sure? I'm like, yeah. And then he started getting 90. I was like, all right, I want you to do 180 now. He's like, should I go to the foam? I'm like, no. He's like, why don't? Why won't you let me go to the foam? I'm like, because one, you don't need the foam pit to learn a 180. Two, if you do this 180 and fall, it's going to show you the consequence and you're going to learn from it. So if you fall, you're going to be like, okay, I don't want to fall anymore. Right. But the kid was doing 180s, no foam pit, no falls either. Awesome. There were a couple of times his legs flew off and like he let the bike go. But dude, he did a 180 That's at the awesome. end, like within an hour. And I was That's like, beautiful. it was it's, sick. It's beautiful. Man. Yeah. You're still doing it. You're still out there. Still I try. <laughs> so what are you at now? You're like 15 years as a pro now. Uh, like yeah, it's, yeah, it's getting up there. Wow. I think, uh, I think my first sponsorship was fly bikes and system cycle in, it was, either 2003 or like really close to being 2004. That's awesome, man. So we're getting there. We're getting there. We're getting there. Here's to 15 more years, huh? I hope so. Right. I well, love riding. 
Do you have any more thanks or anything you like to plug? What's your Instagram? What's your social media? What's your YouTube? What's all that stuff where people can come find you? Yeah, yeah. Uh, all of my social media stuff, whether it's my 17 followers on uh, YouTube, which I don't ever post to, <laughs> or my Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, whatever, it's all at Anthony Napo. And then uh, just got to thank all my sponsors, obviously. Boom. Stoked uh, a ride for Wiener Schnitzel, so that's been great. John, oh, next time you come out west, I've got oh, as many hot dogs as you want to eat for free, and I know you love free food. Yes, he does. I just love food. I mean, if it's – I love food. And that's, my, that's the <laughs> thing. I love food. So I'll pay for food, but if I can get it for free, that just means I get to eat more. Yep, so exactly. So I got you. I have We've no got, limit, which yeah. is kind of a bad – it's kind of a bad <laughs> thing. Uh, I appreciate the offer. No, no problem. Yeah, so got to thank Wiener Schnitzel, Max's Tires, uh, Profile Racing, Colony Bikes, Ethica, uh, Medterra CBD. Don't know if I'm allowed to say that in Pennsylvania, but there you go. You're allowed to say it. There we go. Actually, I think we are allowed to say that in PA. Anyways, um, yeah, Sun Rims. uh, I think that's all of them. Sorry if I forgot. (laughs) Bingo. Well, we have editing software just in case you remember right after we press the... There we go. Well, Anthony, thank you very much for coming on. Let thank me, you. Uh, talk your ear off for a little bit and uh, and have a fun conversation. People are always weirded out about doing podcasts. I love podcasts. I think they're so fun. They're just, yeah. <laughs> where else can you have a conversation like this? I know. Just one-on-one. And rec- I mean, the recording is second, but there's a lot of things that you just said that I wouldn't have known before. And, and I could tell at when you were approaching me about doing the podcast that people are weirded out by podcasts because the way you were saying, yeah, we're just going to sit and have a chat. And I'm like, John, I've done three, two, three podcasts already. Like we're going to talk. I've known you forever, John. We're going to be okay. (laughs) But can I make one? So when I was like, all right, I'm coming to a John Saxon podcast. Like where, why isn't there a julep machine in here? It's over there. You just have to walk around the corner. Well, they can't hear us through the glass. We have we I had an audience up, earlier. So I could press Look, that button. kid's got a julep. Kid, kid. See, he can't oh, he hear can't me. Hear he you. can't hear me. Wow. So I think you know we need right, we need a julep machine at least in here. You may have just found the chink in our armor <laughs> about what we need. In or or it's a there has to be a freezer for ice cream. All your, you know, all your. Thi- that's a good call. You know, a freezer with ice cream. In yeah, there. I mean, that's I, absolutely. I mean, I could have been eating like unlimited ice cream sandwiches. Maybe we can do that for after a podcast. <laughs> I, don't know if, I don't know if people want to be listening to us eating ice cream sandwiches. <laughs> Anthony, you know I love you. Thank you yep, very much. Yep, much love, John. It. Uh, thank you guys all for uh, tuning in for another episode of the podcast. Check back with us. Uh, I don't know how often we're going to be dropping these things, but we'll try to do it as often as we can. Thank you to Woodward Camp uh, for letting us record in their amazing studio. We appreciate you guys, and uh, we'll see you soon. Bye.